Hi, my name is Katie Halper, and I'm the host of The Katie Halper Show, which you can hear on WBAI every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Every first Wednesday of the month, we have a special show in front of a live audience at the Brooklyn Commons Cafe at 388 Atlantic Avenue. It's totally free. Our next live show is Wednesday, May 4th. Theme is the election, disenfranchisement, where are we now and where are we going? Our guests include Jordan Sheridan, the Young Turks, Kremlin Addison, the historian, Mickey Kantz of the Accountability Project, Lenina Nadal from the Battle of New York, Kathleen Graves, Babe Turberney, and for the first time ever, we're going to be having a speak out right before the live show. Where you'll be able to share your stories about your experiences with the election, with the New York primary, or ideas for moving forward, and have them recorded on video and live stream. See you this Wednesday, May 4th at 7.30 p.m. for our live panel discussion and talk show. And if you have anything you'd like to record or share on live stream, see you at 6 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue, everybody welcome once again to the katie halper show you might have noticed by now that uh, this is not katie halper's voice because i'm gabe pacheco her loyal sidekick and i'm uh starting off the show today i'm here in the building at 6 p.m i'm here with uh reggie johnson once again how you doing reggie hey gabe oh yes so uh reggie can i tell you right now that on on my way here I got off the subway, uh-huh. and I got off at uh, Flatbush and DeKalb, okay. and I just wanted to bring this up because I saw that the Verizon strike is still happening. Yes. And you know yes. what? I'm just bringing it up right now because it doesn't seem like it's being covered at all in the mainstream media. Oh, no. It's not being covered at all. So uh, that's why we're here at WBAI, to bring you the news yeah. that you're not going to get anywhere else. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you know something else? Uh, I what I noticed was that uh, there was some honking, and there were some people that were inconvenienced in their cars by the strike. Right. But generally, everyone on the sidewalks was rooting for the striking Verizon workers. That's good. Yes. Yes. It really felt like they were bringing the community together. And another thing about that is uh, it's always a good time to strike. There's never well, there's never a right time to inconvenience. Uh, the boss, but uh, the, you know, you got to do it sometimes. You got to say, "Hey, it, it's a necessity." It's like in a relationship, right? You got to sometimes. You never want to hear your partner say, "Hey, wait a minute." You know, we need to have a talk, but uh, you don't get to to progress the relationship to that next level without that. Hey, wait a minute, we got to have a talk. Sometimes it's necessary. Exactly. Thank you, Reg. I feel like we're on the same page. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't act. I, I don't act like it at times, but more times than most, we're on the same page. Now, Reg, you know something else? Uh, we uh, we here at the Katie Halper Show. That's uh, you, me, and Katie Halper. We're gonna do a live show uh, next week. What? Yes. So this is an opportunity for all of our loyal fans to come here. Uh, to 388 Atlantic Avenue to the cafe. Commons Cafe. That's right, the Commons Cafe. We're going to be on the first floor, and we're going to have all sorts of tasty beverages. There might be some white wine. There's going to be a whole bunch of empanadas and delicious salads. I just had a great salad from uh, the Commons uh, earlier today. 
And uh, that's why I'm so perky and energetic. You got to get your roughage, everybody. You got to get your roughage. So uh, the live show is going to be at 7.30 p.m. So be here at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the live shows are always fantastic. We have great guests. Uh, there's some interactive uh, components to it. Who's going to be on next week? Next week, we are going to have a bunch of people. Uh, Pramila Nadison, who is a historian and professor. We talked to her a couple weeks ago about uh, the Clintons and uh, racism and welfare. Is this thing on, by the way? Is this thing loud? Can you guys hear me? I got you. Okay, you got loud me. Loud and clear, Gady. Awesome. Um, and uh, um, I can't hear my thing. Oh, hi, guys, by the way. I'm sorry I'm late. I, I had train troubles. And you know what happened after? Let me tell you what happened after. Something that men probably don't understand unless they do figure skating or wear leggings. I'm wearing tights right now. Dear listeners, close mm -hmm. your eyes. Imagine I'm wearing tights. I can verify that with my two eyes. Gabe can verify it. And my Warby Parker frames. And his Warby Parker frames. And just as I can verify his salad, which I'll take a screenshot of. Posted on, on the Twitters and Instagram. Hashtag living healthy. Hashtag living healthy and hashtag KT helps show, right? So that's our hashtag. It's K-T-H-A-L-P-S. It's all about the branding. S-H-O-W. It's uh, all about the branding. Yeah. Yes. It's a lifestyle. It's not a radio show. It's a lifestyle, it folks. Is. Yeah. It's Get not involved. a diet. It's a live it. Yeah. And um, so I was running from the train because it was delayed. And then this thing happens when you wear tights sometimes and they fall. They start falling, and it's the closest thing to torture that discomfort <laughs> can be. I'm not trivializing torture, but I'm saying it's the closest it gets. It's such an, Imagine that... Are you guys, like, annoyed by right. the sound of nails on a chalkboard? Yeah. So imagine a physical manifestation of that. That's basically what it's like when your uh, tights are, or your leggings are falling down. Anyway, so next week, next week when we're having our live show, it's going to be so great. We're going to have Kathleen Graves, who's the founder of Babes for Bernie, which is this amazing Instagram. No, it's a movement. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's a state of mind. It's an Instagram account, and it's a hashtag. And they have over 24,000 followers. And they do all this. They just come out and kind of like organize around Bernie Sanders. They have really cute swag, like bags and shirts and pins and tattoos. That These tattoos, they're great. Temporary tattoos. Yes. And I've seen, actually, there's an Instagram photo of you rocking yes. one of those uh, Bur Bur Babes for Bernie neck tattoos. Neck, neck tat. I got a neck tat. Yeah. And uh, they have things like bags and pins that say, talk Bernie to me. Um, what else? I can't remember. Then some, some don't, even have, uh, don't even have puns. They're just like, be kind, vote Bernie Sanders. Anyway, so we have, she's going to be participating. Premila Nadison is going to be participating. We have a couple more guests, and we will name some of them throughout the show to keep you guys hooked. But anyway, we have a great show for you tonight. We have a great show coming up. I can't even tell you what a great show we have. Are it's, you it's pretty stupendous. It's pretty stupendo. Well, the first guy we have is actually going to be a guest from uh, the Young Turks, yeah, right? Yeah, we have a back-to-back -back Young Turks thing going on tonight. Double Young Turks. Double Young Turks. So we have Young Turk twins. And um, I actually did their show, the Young Turk show, which was really great fun last week. And the our, we're going to be talking to – first we're going to be talking to Jordan Sheridan who is a political reporter for the Young Turks, and he's covered the shenanigans in New York, and he's covering, he was in Rhode Island last night. Then we're going to be talking to Jimmy Dory. Jimmy Doray? Jimmy Dory? Is Jimmy it Jimmy Dore? Jimmy Dore. It's really Jimmy Dore? It's Jimmy Dore. Wow, okay. I always, yeah. okay, Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore. Sorry, Jimmy, if you're listening. Um, I like him. Yeah, he's a great guy, right? Yeah, I like totally him. Nice. I like his show. I like his show, too. And, uh... We, in fact, there, I got a lot of comments because the Young Turks has a huge following. And so one of the nice things that they said was 
one of the people in the in the comments was like, "You're like a fe- she's like a female Jimmy Dore." Adorable, really? yeah. Adorable. And, yeah. And we'll talk Adorable. more about that. And, and he's a comedian and the host of the Jimmy Dore show and a correspondent of the Young Turks. But let is let us now speak to Jordan Chardon. Are you there, Jordan? Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. You? Great. I just sounded really Irish. Are you there, Jordan? <laughs> I am. Good. Um, I'm here with Gabe Pacheco, my co-host, Howdy. my partner in crime, and Reggie Johnson, the engineer in hello. residence. And hey, guys. How are you doing? Everyone say hello. Yes. And then we're going to be talking to your compatriot afterwards, Jimmy Dore. It's Jimmy Dore, yeah. right? It's Jimmy Dore. Yeah, Reggie, I told you it was Jimmy Dore. You were like Jimmy Dore, <laughs> Jimmy Dore. You have oh, to get it together. Yeah, really. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. It was me, not him. Um, so, Jordan, can you tell mm. us about what you've been covering? Because you're on the campaign trail, right? And you were. Yeah, in- I, uh, I just got back from Rhode Island, actually, like 15 minutes ago. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for. You see what he did? He scheduled around the Katie Halper show because he has his priorities in line. Am I right? Exactly. So, can you tell us what happened in Rhode Island? Yeah, I mean, Governor Gina Raimondo, who uh, in the past has called Hillary Clinton her idol, uh, her state decided to close two-thirds of its polling stations. So there were about 34 fewer polling stations open uh, compared to 2008. Uh, not Not just the fact that there were less polling stations, but... As a result of that, uh, people had to drive much further uh, on average to get to their polling stations. Obviously, that affects low-income neighborhoods, uh, students, uh, Brown University, for example, yesterday. Not only did the students not know where the hell to go, but uh, it it was a 20-minute walk for them, and it happened to be raining. So most students, you know, in the middle of their day uh, might not want to walk 20 minutes uh, to vote. But uh, they closed two out of three polling stations. They chalked it up to, you know, around the same as they had in 2008, even though it was much less than that. And the results uh, show that it, it did what I believe they intended. There was a 36% drop in turnout among Democrats uh, compared to 2008. But the victory went to? Bernie Sanders. So despite that, that's a nice, inspiring tale, right? I mean, it depends how you look at it, right? Uh, 36% drop. So if if the polling stations were even close to the level that they were previously, that margin of victory could have been even bigger. Right. Um, it could have went the other way as well. You know, I don't, I don't uh, have Nate Silver's sixth sense, so I don't really know the, the exact 538th sense. Yes. But, uh, you know, it could have, you know, it could have negatively affected minority uh, communities, which have tended to vote uh, more towards Hillary Clinton's way. But, you know, in this year, particularly since Rhode Island uh, gave Trump such a huge, huge uh, victory, and some of the people I spoke to there, I think on both sides, uh, Rhode Island was kind of giving the finger to the establishment. So I think if there were more polling areas, uh, you could have seen a bigger margin for Bernie. I should say also, I went to about seven or eight polling places yesterday in Rhode Island. Within about a mile and a half radius, there were three polling stations in the wealthiest area of Providence. So polling places 
her cup, just not for the love Got it. So that's a, I, I kind of appreciate how open that is, like how overt that is. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's up, interesting. Yeah, big ups to them for being transparently classist and uh, <laughs> disenfranchising of poorer people. Um, and can you tell us about New York and the shenanigans, if you would call them shenanigans there, and what recourse there is, if any at all? Yeah, so I was actually the only uh, reporter out the prime out on the primary day uh, two weeks ago that covered the emergency lawsuit that was filed. Uh, it was filed on behalf of Election Justice USA, which is a voting rights group, and uh, it basically was against the New York Board of Elections because of the widespread uh, voter purge that has gone on in New York. Brooklyn has got most of the attention in the media, but it's happened in other areas as well. Long Island, Westchester, Queens, Bronx. Um, and the Board of Elections, you know, they've been throwing people under the bus now. A clerk in the Brooklyn office got suspended. They're claiming it was a clerical error that, you know, threw over 100,000 people off the rolls. So this election justice group, uh, filed a lawsuit, and it's basically calling for all provisional ballots that were kept uh, to be counted. We we don't know how many provisional ballots have been cast because New York State's Board of Elections, New York City's Board of Elections, and all the counties that have been sued uh, are dragging their feet uh, to ought to do their audit. They have to audit the count, the provisional ballots. Um, there's also the fact that the New York establishment. Uh, by and large, is very much in the tank for Hillary Clinton. So the judge uh, in the case, there was supposed to be a hearing this Thursday, the second hearing. It's now been canceled. The judge granted the defendant uh, more time. Uh, what they need more time for, who knows? To burn, to uh, shred the affidavits, probably. Yes, basically. Right. Essentially, the Board of Elections does not want to release uh, a lot of the information, a lot of the documents that would show um, how many people were purged in how many different areas and would show, uh, you know, very egregious things. I mean, I met several uh, individuals in New York, you know, whether it was in October when they had to change party affiliation, which is, which is a form of suppression in itself. New York has the earliest uh, deadline to change your party affiliation of any state. Uh, I met people that... Got it, you know, did it on October 9th, which was the deadline, and we're told they got a got in the mail. Uh, oh, we didn't receive it till October 13th, so you can't you can't uh, change party affiliation. Right. Some bra- some brave souls actually went down on primary day to get a court order in front of a judge so that they could vote, and found out that the board of elections actually had that wrong and that it actually was received on time. So at the end of the day, uh, whether it is just um, Closed primary system. New York, uh, New York's party establishment does not want as many voters as possible to vote. That's why they have the deadline in October. Uh, most young people that might vote for Bernie Sanders are not paying attention in October, six months before a primary, that they have to change their affiliation. Um, so essentially, uh, it's, there is a chance that the provisional ballots might get cast, but the judge, in allowing this delay, uh, essentially is kicking it kicking the can down the road. Their goal, I think, is to kick the can down the road till after the election results get certified, which nothing can be done then. And when is the certification? 
Uh, it's supposed to be on May 5th, but I've been told today that that's now up in the air and they might move it up or move it back. Well, they can't move it up. I mean, this is we should be in the streets, right? This is the thing. Yes, is, uh, is, uh, absolutely. There actually was protest outside the Brooklyn Board of Elections uh, about the last week when uh, they had their first when election justice uh, went down and actually formally uh, added the New York City Board of Elections as, as a defendant in the lawsuit. But the, basically the Board of Elections, whether it was intentional and nefarious behavior or just, you know, a mass uh, incompetence. You know, incompetence really screwed up. Uh, uh, what, the, what the judge, I believe, uh, might say is, okay, even if we counted all the provisional ballots, it's not going to change the results of the election, and it would take uh, weeks, if not months, at taxpayer expense, because there's a lot of logistical things that need to I be know, done with that. I know, like democracy and enfranchisement are so expensive. What the heck? Right. Like, why and should we spend all, money on those things? And also, we should add in that all these people that are both overseeing investigations and overseeing audits are either uh, delegates for Hillary Clinton or have come out and right. campaigned for her. The governor, the governor is a big supporter. The mayor, a big supporter. So uh, the attorney, the attorney general is filing, you know, opening investigations. Right, the comptroller. Yeah. Right. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a joke. So we, um, we're going to be talking, actually, with Jordan Moore next week. Can I actually, well, you were going to confirm that, not to put you on the spot. Do you think you can do it, Jordan? I can do it. Yes. That was my plan all the whole time was to get him to come in on the air. Um, but, Jordan, thank you so much for talking to us, and we're going to talk to you more next week. Come down to this live event, guys. Jordan's, Jordan was on the front lines. He was at the ground zero of disenfranchisement uh, what quarter headquarters. And we did, just to... to just so you know, uh, Jordan, we had Jonathan Clark on the show last week. He came into the uh, into the studio and talked to us about it. Oh wow! So we'll yeah. Great. And, uh, so yeah, we will see you. Um, thank you again so much for talking to us. You can find Jordan at Twitter. Yes, uh, at Jordan Sheridan, and uh, for my reporting for the Young Turks, it's TYT Politics on YouTube. Great, TYT Politics, and um, thanks again. And you guys can hear from. Jordan next uh, Wednesday because our live show will be live streamed and we're probably going to ask some people to talk about their disenfranchising experiences. It'll be like a testimony gathering. Um, and uh, yeah, and it'll be live streamed and then we'll play it on the radio the next week. So thank you so much, Jordan. Have a great, great. night. Have a good one. And thanks for all your work, important work. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Katie, and, yeah. that was outrageous. That I mean, was outrageous. Oh, this is what I wanted to say that we didn't say. See, it's funny. I did the Young Turks the night of the primary and I was so, it was like a delayed reaction because we spoke to Jonathan Clark, who's running for Congress. He's the lawyer who filed the lawsuit against the Board of Elections. It took me like a day for it to really sink in what had happened. Because here's the thing. Lots of people are saying, there's this real narrative about um, this is only affecting white hipsters. Get over it. Get over it. And it's like especially annoying when white people say it. Because I'm like, you don't even have any skin in this. Like, just shut up, okay? I know you're trying to seem woke or yeah. down or you're just a shillery probably but first of all you're doing that thing that we had a show about bernie made me white which is that you're invisibilizing the people of color who do support him and then people are like oh this is just about a bunch of like hipster white kids not getting their stuff together to change parties why didn't they register in exactly, time but you know what 
That's one issue, and there's closed versus open primaries. That's a legit issue. That's not illegal. What is illegal is either intentionally or through incompetence um, not provide like having losing these people's voting, and then also not getting the not keeping the, the affidavits. affidavit. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just makes me feel like we need a third party, an objective third party, a U.N. Uh, mediating delegation to show up some uh, like uh, like a multinational uh, New World Order organization to come with the blue helmets and count the votes for us. That's nonpartisan. Exactly. And uh, maybe that could be Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Why not? He better be a new party. Um but again, don't let people conflate the issues. One is purging voters. We know we know of at least 126,000. That's one issue. And the other issue is um, open versus closed primaries. But don't even try. So, you know, people have been tweeting, like, uh, I'll, I'll find it. But there was this famous angry black woman, Imani. Uh, you guys know her? She's on big big Twitter player. Yeah, I've heard of her. And she tweeted something about, you know, how it's, oh, you guys just care about it when it's, uh, you don't care about disenfranchisement when it affects the people who are real. You know what? Before I take someone on on the radio, I should probably be able to quote her. So I'll get that to you guys later. Do you like those journalistic <laughs> ethics that I just adopted? But seriously, it's not an either or. Uh, it's not a zero sum game. It's not either or. And that's what we're going to be talking about next Wednesday during our live show is how we connect the disenfranchisement that already happened what we do moving forward, and also how we connect it to other major disenfranchisement movements across the country, which, of course, do target people of color and poor people. Um, all right. So is Jimmy Dore on, on the line? No. We're so excited to be talking to him. Yes. Not yet, but he's a coming around the mountain. And Jimmy Dore, in case you don't know, uh, Gabe, have you, you know J Jimmy. Jimmy's, he's a legend, right? Yes. He has a show on Pacifica. That's our station. It's the mothership of WBAI. And um, his show is called uh, The Jimmy Dore Show, which is interesting because that's my, I have the Katie Halper Show. It's kind of cool. Um, he has a very funny album um, and book, uh, Your Country's Just Not That Into You. And um, how are we on the number? Do we need a... Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. And he's... Um, he is... The one of the hosts of the Young Turks. So last week, actually, when I spoke to him, it was really funny because he said to me, so what happens next? You know, it looks like New York lost. And by the way, New York losing is really or having appeared to have lost is really important because I think people really saw that as a litmus test for whatever reason. And I think that that really slowed a lot of the momentum, which is messed up, especially if it turns out that he either didn't lose or lost by less than we think. Um, one second. Let me just, Gabe, um, can you tell us, by the way, how you're feeling right now about the election? Just your thoughts, just emotionally, what this is doing to you. Well, I have this really interesting, uh, uh, my friend posted on Facebook an image of Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, Bill Clinton and Ivana all like smiling and having a good time together. And uh, it just made me feel like, oh, well, right now, if the race between the two uh, leading candidates is uh, is those two. If it's going to be Hillary and Trump, um, it's kind of like we're just looking at a. It's like an inner family battle Ugh. between uh, two member two members of the oligarchy. Right. And uh, so that's that. I just kind of I don't know how much. Uh, neither well, she she's not inspiring me that much, 
And uh, as much as uh, we're told to fear Trump and think that he's a villain and that he's so extreme, uh, if they're standing around smiling and breaking bread together, then how far away from the the threat that he presents is is she? Well, overt <laughs> corruption versus uh, subvert corruption. That's what it seems. Covert, like. Covert. versus overt. Yeah. Yeah. Covert versus. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've I've really I've literally never felt so. Um, I, I always, you know, I was raised by lefties. I always got that Democrats and Republicans were too similar to each other, but it was kind of a no-brainer for me that there was a difference. It wasn't a big enough difference, but there was a difference there, right? Sure. That was always how I saw it. I have to say, this thing, this Bernie Sanders thing, and seeing that someone is out there who's a real alternative has radicalized me. Not intellectually, I always knew this, but it has radicalized me on a visceral level, an emotional level. It, I feel like I'm born again. Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of wish it was like uh, I was. I was. Uh, there were more candidates in the race. You know, as much as it's Bernie, it's more the, like what it's he represents right. more. And, and or like a Jill Stein. Yeah, throw her in there. And Jill Stein. Well, we'll talk about her in a second. But speaking of the movement, do we have Jimmy on the line? Yes, we do. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, how you doing, Katie? Good. You. You good? He's playing. Can hard. you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Okay, good. Okay, I can hear you. Great. Um, so I don't know if you heard this, Jimmy, but I was saying earlier that when I did your the Young Turks last week, um, I got lots of feedback. Oh, it was actually very good, except for one woman who diagnosed me very specifically as having done codeine or weed before the show. <laughs> but she was like very. She diagnosed it. She was like, her eyes go this way. She's looking this way. I mean, I wasn't. I was just high on life and high on, on Bernie Sanders. And um, but another comment I got was she's like the female Jimmy Dore, so exciting moment oh. for me, maybe shameful well, moment for you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna think that 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 means that uh, you you, uh, you make your points very clearly and concisely, yes. and uh, and it's irrefutable. Right, and with charm and humor. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Charm means, and humor. I'm glad we can all agree on that. And you are here, we, we are here with uh, Gabe Pacheco, stand-up comedian, and uh, my partner in crime. Howdy. And, and hey, Dave, how are you? I feel great. Thanks for asking. And Reggie okay. Johnson on the engineering keyboards. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Reggie. Hey, how, how did you, how did you uh, enjoy Hillary's speech last night? Wasn't it fantastic? I mean, not a dry eye in the house. She so is. She about. So she's as inspiring. She is as inspiring as a laundromat pamphlet. Oh my! I don't know. I think you're overselling her. Actually, <laughs> Just like I'm a, not sure I can stand by that that comment. Yeah, it's like a, I think. You know, they say Hillary. Can't, she campaigns in verse, and believe me, she's going to govern in reverse. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, nice. what? What? Okay, what happened, Jimmy? Tell us what you think is going on now. Tell us the steps forward. Um, there's so much we could talk about, but what's your, what are you feeling right now? How's the mood? Uh, I, I guess of, uh, um, I'm still excited in the sense that, you know, I mean, we've woken, uh, up, uh, a bunch of people, right? So there really is a movement. I think it really did start <clears throat> with Occupy or maybe even earlier. I think people, you know, the thing is Bernie Sanders is the guy we thought Barack Obama was. Yeah, Totally. And people don't get that. And it's funny, you know, uh, it's just an, you, you can't fight back against that kind of establishment media. 
And when people have been beaten down by for 35 years by neoliberalism and uh, and and supply side economics and trickle down, it, it, the people are just beaten down. Like they don't feel like they. You can't have anything nice. Why can we ever? You can't have a, anything liberal. What are you right. crazy? It's impractical. You, yeah. What? Come on. Grow up and sell out already. Right. So and and I was pointing out the other day that. People don't realize how to the right the Clintons are. They started the DLC. So what happened in 1984 was that the, the Congress flipped to Republican. That was the first time it happened since that an FDR. So it scared the hell out of the Democrats. So they started this thing called the DLC, Democratic Leadership Council. Al Gore, Bill Clinton. Guess who else was on the executive committee of that? The two executives from the Koch Foundation. Oh, David so, and Charles? Or no, no not, or them, not but the bros. Two, no, not the bros, but two other executives, vice, vice presidents from the Koch Foundation, were on the DLC executive board. Wow. So, you, you know, they're that, just, it's a big tent, Jimmy. It's a big tent lined with gold. So, the fact, so I, I tried to, you know, there's, there's three. So, it is, so it's good that it, it seems like all at once and only because of Bernie Sanders, this is anybody talking about any of this stuff now. And they're starting to. But I think one of the most discouraging things that came out of this was um, it's I never imagined myself talking to other people who were Democrats who would start to sound like Bush supporters. I mean, using the same kind of kind of logic and mental gymnastics and, you know, ignoring of problems and, you know, putting on blinders and just dismissing what it's just uh, dismissing reality it is very disconcerting. That's that's the thing that bothers me the most. Which part of it? The part that the the, the people who I used to consider or to see a lot of Democrats, oh, yeah. totally doing I mean, the same kind of mental gymnastics or the as Bush smearing, the... the smearing. That's what shocks me. Like I feel like I'm in the twilight zone because I feel like there are people who I could trust politically and ethically and morally who are doing things that I can't believe they're doing. Like. Do not come at me, do not come at us with accusations that Bernie Sanders is dishonest. Like, <laughs> the one guy. It's so the absurd. One. They are so brazen. And I want to do a correct the record corrector. Should we do that? You know, correct the record is this media machine that David Brock funds yeah. uh, to harass yeah. people online. And what I can't stand is that progressives and particularly feminists who throw their support behind Hillary regardless. I mean, she could do whatever she wants. She could be Margaret Thatcher, I think. Well, just as like the same thing with Barack Obama. Yeah, I mean, I feel weirder about... To, uh, yeah, I mean, it is. For, but here's the thing. Barack Obama, people... Are, I love when people are like, well, were you critical of Barack Obama in 08? I was like, well, I voted for him because I thought he was better, and now I think Bernie Sanders right. is better. But, That's true. Um, I love that uh, feminists are just like... You know, I, I just thought it was interesting that she referenced Donald Trump, who said that she was playing the woman card. Be yeah. Because, as as we played from our last a couple episodes ago, that's not fair to say that Donald Trump said that, because the person who really deserves credit for that is Bill Clinton, because he said that Obama was playing the race card back in 08. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when he was asked if he said... Uh, why he said that they were playing the race card, he denied it on television, even though, unfortunately, it was on radio. So that's a great Clintonian thing. You just insist that you didn't say something. You try to shame the person asking you about it. Unfortunately, it was on the radio. 
Well, the reason why I was mentioning about the comparison between Clinton and Obama was because people, uh, pundits that are in the so-called uh, progressive network over at uh, MSNBC oh, God. with uh, Melissa Harris-Perry to Al Sharpton all said publicly on some in some various cases saying that they would not speak ill towards right. Barack Obama. Which doesn't actually do anyone a favor. No, it doesn't. And it's infantilizing. Um, but uh, there was an interesting thing. I don't know, Jimmy, if you saw this, but y did, you see, did you guys see last night that there was a big story about Bernie Sanders' quote-unquote concession speech? Uh yeah, I don't, I don't, but I don't think it was a concession. Exactly, speech. exactly. So I actually, I wrote something for Raw Story where it said basically, um, Bernie Sanders colon we're taking the campaign to the convention media colon he just threw in the towel, which literally is how they framed it. I mean, I saw all over on Twitter, on online that people were like, "This is breaking news." Bernie Sanders just announced that he will not be seeking the nomination. Now, what I love about that assumption is that they're basically saying since Bernie Sanders in this statement um, said that he was going to do all he could do to fight to make the Democratic Party a better party, then clearly that's mutually exclusive with pursuing the nomination. Well, yeah, I, it, it, that doesn't make sense. And uh, I, I'll, when people ask me if Bernie to drop out or all this stuff. I just say, hey, let's remember Bobby Kennedy uh, got killed in June. So, Oh, my God. We played that. <laughs> you know, we may have to play some of these sound effects. I have them on my computer. But, yeah, of course. But, no, but, Jimmy, what, what you didn't do is you didn't pretend that you were going to mention June. The best thing about Hillary Clinton is saying, you know, my, my husband, this was in 08 when she was asked why she didn't drop out. She says, you know, my husband, he didn't get the nomination until, um, what was it, June. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I love how she pretended to be having exactly. to remember. Exactly. And then, <laughs> and then till um, June. And of course, we all remember what happened in June, California. Bobby Kennedy was shot. Like, that, <laughs> we really believe that this just popped into your head. Um, <laughs> that was just amazing. I mean, the fact that people. What I don't get also is how all these Obama fans don't like just forget that. Um, and here, I just want to share. I again, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone because what I read in, in this statement, which he, which he, this is what he said. Um, the people in every state in this country should have the right to determine who they want as president and what makes and what the agenda of the Democratic Party should be. That's why we are in this race until the last vote is cast. That is why this campaign is going to the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia with as many delegates as possible to fight for a progressive party <coughs> platform that calls for a $15 an hour minimum wage and end to our disastrous trade policies, a Medicare for all health care system, breaking up Wall Street financial institutions, ending fracking in our country, making public colleges and universities tuition-free and passing a carbon tax so we can effectively address the planetary crisis of climate change. And this is how the media reported this. Rachel Maddow said, it is fair to say that this democratic contest is effectively over. Lawrence O'Donnell basically said the same thing. Matt Iglesias at Vox wrote, Bernie Sanders' campaign just dropped a major hint that the race is over. Molly Ball at The Atlantic tweeted, Bernie's statement admits he's no longer in this to get the nomination. And there are more. But how do people say that? Uh, is it because they're paid to say it? I mean, that's what I was. I was like, don't you pretend that you're not that you're not trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy here? Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the town hall on Monday night. No, I need to. I uh, I wanted to. Oh, I have to. But talk it. about um, I mean, <laughs> Rachel Maddow. 
which I'm sure you, it just could not have been less interested <laughs> in what was going on. Wasn't she interested at one point? What happened? Did she get a memo saying you need to calm down? Because I remember her saying some pretty pro Bernie things, not not unprofessional, but pro Bernie. Well, well, you know what I think is interesting, and what I all often challenge, and I, you know, I say I'm sure Chris Hayes and and Rachel Maddow, they're very nice people. I've never met either of them. Sure, they're nice, and uh, you know, if he was dating my sister. I think Chris Hayes was a great guy. But here's the thing: we all know. What about if Rachel Maddow was? Don't be. Heteronormative. Same thing. Okay, if good. either of them were dating my sister, Very I'd be good. super happy. I'd be super happy about it. Yeah. And so, but we all know that if you get a little too progressive or if you say anything that costs a corporation money over at MSNBC, they will fire your ass. They right. fired Phil Donahue. Right. They fired Phil Donahue for talking about the uh, Iraq war a little too loudly. Uh, they fired Ed Schultz recently for talking against the TPP right. a little too loudly, right? Right. So, uh, and Jenk Uger, host oh, of the yeah. Young Turks, tells me stories about how they would tell him in his ear to not, don't, uh, uh, do not criticize the president right now. Right. And I, mean, I was on Jenk's show when he was on MSNBC, so that didn't help either, having me on. Tarnished <laughs> his name. So, uh, yeah, I, I forgot what my point was, Sorry. but that was a oh, great we point talk- I made. We were talking about Maddow and Chris Hayes. And I oh, think you were so saying- I always challenge them. I challenge them. When are you, you going to say something that gets yourself fired? Right. <laughs> right. I can't believe you, they don't take you up on that challenge, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, it would be, I don't know how much money they make, but it's right. certainly a lot. Right. I know Chris Chris Matthews gets paid over $100,000 a week. No, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, he does for sure. He's one of my favorite comedians, Chris Matthews. <laughs> I have to say, I do really love he, him. He's one of the he's one of the MSNBC blondes. Boy, yeah. they really don't compete with Fox. Oh my god, they? that's really funny. He is the MSNBC blonde. That's such a great observation. Katie Turr's a little then, blonde, but not like not the um, the platinum well, I'm talking blonde. About, I'm talking about their yeah. Mm-hmm. He and Joe <laughs> he and Joe Lieberman have that beautiful skin color and hair color are kind of indistinguishable thing going. Kind of a corpse yeah. corpsey je ne sais quoi about it. Chris, please come on the show, and Joe, please come on the show. Um, Jimmy, what are your some of your favorite examples of media bias that you've seen over the course of the campaign? Well, I mean, how about just <clears throat> the facts, right? The fact that they gave Donald Trump 81 minutes in ABC News and uh, and had literally uh, given Bernie Sanders something like 81 seconds. Uh, that was uh, that was, I think, done last November or something. They're like, look, let's look how much free media each person's gotten so far. And uh, so, I mean, right there, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, how much money that, uh, how much time they're getting and how much, you know, they, last night, uh, how about last night? Here's a perfect example. Last night. Uh, so uh, Bernie Sanders is giving a speech and he's talking about the corruption, uh, corrupting power of money in politics. And he's talking about big pharma and the oil companies and the war machine. And uh, they don't show any of that. What are they showing on CNN? They literally had three screens. Three boxes on the screen. One box was an empty podium at Trump's place. The other box was an empty podium at Clinton's rally. And then the other box had Essie Cup on. Because oh, how could you God. get through an election without that kind of a... So that's what... So right there, you're like, really? And Bernie's actually giving a speech. The guy who's actually drawing 30,000 people who aren't racist, homicidal maniacs out to hear him give a speech. You, don't, you guys can't point a camera at that guy? 
So, and then people, you know, so go ahead. No, well, is it still Passover? I should know this as the only Jew in the room or on the phone. But if it is still Passover, that could be like overkill Elijah. You know, you have to leave him an, em- you have to leave him an empty place. So that may be uh, why they were leaving two, like, chairs for Elijah. M- maybe this is yeah, better I, in, a, you know, among people who, ha- who are better Jews than I am. And actually, no, we did have uh, Passover, but... Um, that is ins- absolutely insane. I, you see, I kind uh, of uh, like that they're so overt about it, though. So how does anybody who's not on Twitter know about Bernie Sanders? Good Because I do. I mean, I'm, I just watch him on Facebook. And Facebook, yeah. Who's I'm not just on Facebook, on Facebook yeah. all day long listening to Bernie Sanders speeches. That, uh, it, yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, uh, it's amazing. I was watching uh, Chris, Chris Matthews' show the other day. I mean, it's easy to criticize Fox or the mainstream, but I'm watching what's supposed to be the liberal network. Yeah. And he's sitting there with, uh, uh, I think Michael Tomasi and somebody else. Oh, it was from a, the, a from panel the daily of, beast. Yeah. A panel of uh, Bernie haters. Yeah. And they're sitting Bernie. there and they're doing that. They're doing that thing about, uh, you know, let's say Bernie does get uh, uh, elected and then he's going to show up in Washington on, uh, in January. And he's going to go, Oh my God, Mitch McConnell's still there. <laughs> and they all laugh. Oh my God. Like he doesn't know. So here, here is some overpaid news jag off. Trying to talk, talking about a two-term senator, right? Two-term senator who has nicknamed the Amendment King, and he's saying that he doesn't know how legislation works. Right, right, right. The Amendment King. Everyone, pay attention to that. He was nicknamed right. the Amendment King, not sarcastically, guys. It was not an not ironic sar- nickname. Yeah. And somehow he doesn't know. And they talk about, well, he, you know, he's a part of the Hillary bill to work with the Republicans. Let me tell you something. The only thing she's going to be able to work with Republicans on is getting Republican stuff done. Let's remember, right. remember that her husband deregulated Wall Street for him, and then they still impeached him. Yeah, I know. It's like he tried to do good by them, right? He tried to do do right by them, and they still impeached him. And they him. still impeached him. So that's how much actually. It, it's it's so funny because it's it, oftentimes the exact opposite of what people believe is true. Exactly, they think, oh well, Hillary will be able to work with Congress. They hate Hill. They've been vilim, uh, vilifying Hillary for thirty years right. now. If any of them work with her, it's like working with the devil. They can't. They they. By the way, Barack Obama just nominated a Republican to the Supreme Court. Can't even get him a hearing. Right. So where's all this great legislators right. coming from out of the Obama administration? But somehow Bernie Sanders is this wide-eyed knucklehead who doesn't know how to get stuff done. Right, pie in the sky. But, also, people are trying to use the fact that he has this anti-establishment appeal against him. I think they're trying to make him look like uh, just another Trump. To me, that's like one of the best arguments for his electability. I, I I agree with you. Well, I, I agree with you 100 percent. Right. And it's uh, I always I, I do always wince at the, um, you know, the, when people do the well, look, they got the same kind of outsider. They're not. No, the same. no, it's not the same at all. As as Bob Shear said on our show, one of them is uh, they're both critiquing the system and one's doing it in a progressive way. The other one's doing it in a neo fascist way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, Hillary, get, just get get ready. For, you know, but what I say to Democrats is that do you want to spend uh, the next four years defending Hillary or do you want to spend it fighting with Bernie? You right. know what I mean? Because that's what it's going to come down to. So, and by the way, uh, I, I really think, you know, I mean, Hillary is my favorite presidential candidate potentially under indictment. Yeah, <laughs> so she's uh, top five at least. Uh, top and, five but I, I, did, did you hear what Chuck Grassley said yesterday? He said that... Um, 
because the same FBI investigators that investigated David Petraeus mm-hmm. are investigated, they're investigating Hillary. And so they got, they were upset that Petraeus got a slap on the wrist. They were at, this is what Chuck Grassley said, and that uh, they feel like if Hillary uh, gets away with this, they're going to leak the story. They're going to leak the documents and they're going to leak the story. And he said there's scores of FBI guys working or FBI agents working uh, on the case who said this. Guys, if you need some interns, I'll donate. If you need some research, I'll donate. I can file. Uh, I can collate. (laughs) I'm not above any of that. So, you know, as she as she famously said, hey, let's remember Bobby Kennedy got assassinated in June in California. Uh, she could get indicted in June in California. Yeah, and, maybe uh, th- May. That was cer- Fingers that crossed. Was certainly t- and, and, you know, Barack Obama, in his wisdom, decided to appoint to the head of the FBI a Republican. Bipartisan. You know, by, oh, look at him being bipartisan. Put a Republican in charge of the FBI. And so that guy probably will wait till after the Democratic convention to indict her if mm. he's going to indict her. Oh, yeah, you're right. So what can be done? What are we going to do? And And are you going to vote for... I said I got so much pushback. I was on Sirius Radio the other day. I did Pete Dominic's show, Stand Up with Pete. And yeah. I, and I said I was going to vote. I was going to. I'm burning our bust in New York at least, right? I, I can confidently say it's an easy decision. I'll vote for Jill Stein or I'll write in um, Bernie Sanders. And of course, these people <coughs> call in and they're like, "How could you do that? You're going to give him the election. You're going to give Trump the election." And I was like, "Did you not hear the part where I said it's in New York?" He's like, "Well, I don't know how that works." I was like, "Okay." All right. Okay, then I can't really be mad at you. Um, okay, well, I, I, I see. I take a little different tack than a lot of people. Is uh, I don't see if you keep, if Hillary can count on your vote, right. she'll never. They'll never. If the establishment can count on your vote for you to support them with your vote, then they'll never change. That's the whole point of Bernie Sanders. Is you're not going to keep supporting corruption anymore. I think that's the point anyway. I'm not going to vote for Hillary. Uh, I'm not going to vote for corruption. You know, I saw somebody wagging their finger saying, hey, you're, you're de facto, you're voting for Trump that right. night uh, going. I go, really? You're up. wagging your finger at someone who says he's voting their conscience right. and won't vote for corruption, and you're wagging your finger at that person? What nicely done. I'm yeah. not going to support corruption. I'm never going to vote for neoliberals again. So, and, and by the way, people are afraid of Trump. I'm not afraid of Trump because here's what happens, right? If Trump gets becomes president in two years, the House and the Senate flip to to Democrat and progressive, right? And then in four years we get a progressive, and then but if it goes the other way, we are screwed. If Hillary's president in two years, the House and Senate go even farther Republican, and in four years she's out of there, we get a Republican, Republican, and then we're really screwed. So if you want to screw up the progressive a chance of ever having control of government, vote for Hillary. If, because it's worse. I'm telling that's my theory anyway. What do you think of that? I love that idea. So you're saying that the Republicans' long game is to get Hillary in office to get even more to go further to the right in the next uh, four years. Certainly the Cokes. I'm certainly the Cokes feel that way. Which is who I'm talking about. Right. Coke bros. Yeah. Thanks that's, for the endorsement. I mean, believe... Let me tell you something. They're, they're, they're much more happy if Hillary wins than Donald Trump because they can control Hillary. Yeah. They can't control Donald Trump. He's a loose cannon. A bit yeah, of a loose cannon, so, yeah. Although yeah, I find him less scary than Ted Cruz. I, I find Donald Trump less scary than Ted. People are afraid. Ted Cruz is the true maniac. Yeah. He's the guy who's actually entered legislation to ban Muslims from right. America. He's a sociopath. He's the smart sociopath. 
Yes, the he's evil. the guy who went. Yeah, he's the he's the uh, he's the guy who uh, went to law school. <laughs> I know. I guess Reich mentioned that. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. He said that uh, he feels that Cruz is a lot, yeah, a lot more scarier. crazier. And well, you know, he. this is actually a bizarre anecdote, but guess what play Ted Cruz was in at, at law when he was at law school? Was it Princeton or Harvard Law? Was that Harvard, Harvard. Law? I, guess Harvard. what play? Uh, springtime for Hitler? No, but that would have been amazing. Um, the Crucible, the Arthur oh. Miller anti-Red Scare allegory. Ha! Isn't that insane? I think he was, but he played one of the bad guys, so maybe he was like trying to to get into character. Um, well, so, I just, I, I really want to encourage people not to freak out about a Donald Trump presidency. So here's what happens: if he becomes president, you'll have all the Democrats united, all the independents united with the Democrats, plus a lot of Republicans with them in, in opposition to Trump. If, if Hillary president. Now you have her in bed with the Republicans doing their bidding. You're going to have to fight all the Republicans plus Hillary. Right. So, so what do you uh, say? I, do you ever get accused of being, like, privileged? And um, I'm sure yes. you hear this all the time. You're male privileged yes. or white privileged. What's your response to that when people say that, like, oh, it's easy for you to say because you're not going to be kicked out of the country? Yeah. Um I, I say that, you know, you you got to play the longer game. You can't right. be knee-jerk. You can't vote out of fear. Um, and I certainly didn't grow up privileged. Right. You know, I grew up the youngest of 12 kids uh, in the city. I had, you know, so I, I certainly grew up poor and all that stuff. And uh, right. uh, I, I've never had, I've, I've certainly had white privilege. Right. I certainly I certainly know what that feels like. You never Rachel Dojerold yourself? No, I never did that. But okay. I do. Uh, I do like to wear a suit jacket when I'm walking around Manhattan, and cops treat you a lot nicer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I should try that. Gabe, is that true? Have you experienced that? I love. Yeah, dress shoes and a nice dress jacket. Shoes. No you one know, stops you. So, Jimmy, when you asked me last, when I was did the show, you asked me basically like, why should you? Why would you vote for Hillary Clinton even in a, in a swing state? And you brought up the neoliberal regime that we have had for a while, and I was saying something like. I think part of the reason it's so hard for people to not vote for the lesser of two evils is because they can't really, it's, it requires some long-term thinking, right? And you may not even live to reap the benefits of it. Hopefully we would, but you don't, I mean, it, you know, the, the, what is it? The arc of towards justice is long, but it bends towards justice. I'm going to get that. That's a totally incorrect paraphrasing of a Martin Luther King quote, which is always a good look. Um, but I started thinking, like, that's kind of the environmental thing, right, with the environment, I know that we have to think long term. If we don't think long term, we're just destroying the planet, right? So, and right. I, it's kind of a similar thing with politics. And so we have to go through maybe growing pains, right? We have to deprive ourselves of certain products or certain luxuries so that we save the earth. So maybe we have to deprive ourselves of certain, um, I don't know what the analogy would be. Like, uh, that's what makes it hard, though. I think that's what I was trying to get to. It makes it hard because I don't have to deprive. I won't be deprived as much as other people. But well, I, first of all, I mean, you know, uh, again. But I'm not um, disagreeing with you. I'm just grappling with it. First of all, Barack Obama, according to Fusion, uh, they're saying that Barack Obama has deported more more Deportations. people uh, no. of all of of all the presidents combined since 1891. That's from Fusion. They also said that you know everybody's afraid of Trump, but Barack Obama is doing what Trump only promises to do. He's already doing it. Right. It's true. That's actually true. He's deported more people, way more people than so, Bush. We had Greg Grandin talk about this. It's really brutal. 
I mean, he's, uh, you know, I mean, what is, what is Trump going to do that everybody That's is worse. so goddamn right. afraid uh, of? I mean, the stuff is already being done. Ted Cruz has already entered legislation to ban all Muslims. They've already outsourced jobs. They're already in bed with right. Wall Street. They, uh, Barack Obama already offered to cut Social Security, and the Republicans turned it down. Right. So my point is, Hillary gets in there, it's, it's going to be no picnic. She's going to be doing a lot of stuff that we're all going to be fighting against anyway. Right. And that's the problem. You know, it's just like with Occupy, because Barack Obama was, if he wasn't president, if it was a Republican president, that would have been so much stronger than right. it was, because Push Barack back. Obama, split, he split that, right? So then you have all these people going on MSNBC, going, well, those Occupy people need to learn right. how Get politics works. Right. They need to learn how politics works. They need to register to vote. No, I think they know how politics works. Right, that's why they're out there. Yeah. And this is, I saw this on Instagram, I put it on Instagram, but it's a guy holding a, a sign that says, if you really think... The environment is less important than the than the economy. Try holding your breath while you count your money. Ah, that's a great which sign. I really liked, and it kind of made me think of the question that you you know you had raised in terms of the long term solution versus the short term. And um, but I think it gets better right away. In a sense, it gets worse right. if Hillary's president, and then it doesn't get. I don't think it gets as worse if Trump's president. Like for the reason I said, right. it coalesces right. all the people in opposition to him plus you pick off republicans right uh last night after the primaries i made a little t-chart uh like uh well walter white did this in breaking bad when he was like should i kill this guy or not and he made a little t-chart and uh with uh hillary and trump i made a little t-chart and i was like who has had a worse impact on what who's done worse stuff so far hillary and uh, and uh, looking at it, you know, she's had more time in office, and we already know what some of her policies right. have d have the impact they've had negatively on people. Right, it's her experience that's the problem. When people talk about her foreign policy <laughs> experience, I'm like, yeah, what do you think I'm afraid of? Yeah, it's like what Trump's like had some casinos, yeah. and sure, that's like affected a small group of people who are addicted to gambling negatively. And uh, he said some terror. He said some bad things that's about thing. people it's, in yeah. New York, but that's it's affect. It's affect. Well, yeah. those. Casinos no. did go out of business. <laughs> no, Jimmy, what do you think the the potential is moving forward? What do you think could happen? And do you think a third party thing is a good idea or a possibility? Um, well, it, they say, well, they the hope for was that Trump was going to feel screwed over by the Republicans and they they weren't going to give him the nomination, which it looks like they're going to give it to him now. Right. And and uh, so then he would, in, in retaliation, was going to go independent. That opened the door for Bernie right. uh, to go independent, and he would win. Uh, but if Trump doesn't do that, I'm sure Bernie, I mean, Bernie still might not have done it then either. Right. Uh, but uh, he certainly won't do it if Trump, uh, he just won't do it. Right. So then what, what power does he have <clears throat> by staying in? What can he achieve? Well, uh you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how that works. Usually what politicians do is they negotiate something for themselves personally. Right. Like when Hillary Clinton uh, negotiated to get Secretary right. of State. Now I have no evidence, but that's my theory. Yeah, of course and, that's uh, what happened. Yeah. There's no, I mean, he never yeah. would have. He wouldn't have been like, hey, hey, woman who race baited me for a long time. I really want to hire you. <laughs> Uh, you and your husband, yeah. But um, I, I'm one of these weird progressives who actually wants uh, centrist hawks to be pulled to the left, so I'm thrilled he's staying in. Call me crazy. Um, Jimmy Dore, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back. Also, come in person when you're in New York City wearing a nice jacket. Ha-ha. Will do. Thanks for having me on. It's great being here.
great. Hey, check us out on uh, Facebook. Join the groups for the Katie Halper Show. And on iTunes. And uh, Gabe's show every Wednesday, Funhouse Comedy. And I will be in the Penn Festival Saturday night. I'm moderating a conversation with Fran, Fran Leibowitz and Richard Price. And then a Mexican cabaret after. I'll put it on the Twitter and the Facebook. And um, come to our live show next Wednesday. That's 730. Next Wednesday at 3D Atlantic at the Brooklyn Commons. It's free. Jordan Sheridan will be there. Premilyn Addison. So many more. Bye. Bye. <laughs>